Welcome to another episode of Kentucky Basketball Carpool Show. I'm Nick. I'm Chris. All right, Mike couldn't make it tonight. Uh, he has some, some come up real late. Uh, tonight with us, we have uh, Travis Grafless from Catch Illustrated. I'm so glad he's back. We had a great time last time. Um, yeah, tonight we'll be discussing the, Mich- the famous Michigan 2014 game that got us to the Final Four. Uh, that whole tournament was hard on my heart. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but uh, welcome, Travis. Back apparently, I didn't do too bad the first time. <laughs> I enjoyed it, and, and, I'm, and I'm glad you're back for one of my favorite all time games because, uh, back then I was I just got out of the whatever, I just got out of the police academy. I moved back with my parents for for a couple months to get a, get a uh, so I got a house and I actually watched all the games with my dad. And, and Chris will tell you, my dad is incredible to watch the games with because he yells and screams and, and goes crazy during them. So this whole tournament run was awesome, and then in particular, in particularly this one. So uh, he just with with anxiety the entire time. Yeah, and I was smoking still then, and it was like, uh, yeah, it was it was uh, it was cigarette after cigarette, and we were taking turns going outside because we had the radio going on outside, and the radio was like two seconds ahead of the TV. So of course, I was like, I can't, I can't wait, I can't wait. So I had to go outside, cheering before he sees it, <laughs> kind of ruined it for him. But oh well, you know, we won. Let me let me give you some imagery of what Nick's uh, Nick's living room looked like and and the um, the setup outside. So they had this big ass window that stretched the whole side of the house where you could see in uh, and see the TV and stuff like that. And you would look back whenever his dad would he and his dad would go outside. You would look back uh, behind the couch and they'd just be peering in with their hands over their eyes, watching watching the TV with the radio on, freaking out. <clears throat> it's like two creeps. Yeah, you got to man. And Mike was there with me. See, my dad and I, we always have this thing where we act like we control the games. Like, we'll, we'll switch, like, our sitting position. Switch Absolutely. Out, sitting or standing. Like, feel like we, we really control the outcome of the games. Like, we'll go on a 10 over there. Yeah. It's, we've all like, get a little rock in the chair or something. Just make make my mom go in the other room if they went on a run while she's in the bathroom. <laughs> funny funny story about that. Our, uh, our buddy Mike, who does the show with us. When uh, the Patty Sparks UFL game where Kentucky came back and Sparks, uh, I can't. Did he hit the three or did he go to the line? I can't remember. So no, no, no. But, we were uh, down. We were at my, we were at my parents' house again. And yeah, yeah. Go on, Chris. Sorry. Yeah, it was right. When we were making a run to come back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kentucky started making a run coming back because we were down big, and uh, Mike was sitting in a recliner at Nick's house, and he had to go pee really bad, so he had to sit there in the same position. And he, he was a trooper, too. He was like, I'm not moving. I'm not moving. He had his right arm over his left wrist. And I remember to this day, it was hurting. He was like, it's hurting my back. Like, <laughs> I remember the Patrick Spark game in 04 uh, against Louisville. That I think, yeah, that was 04, one, December 04. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, I were asleep by the end of that game because the last, like, 10 minutes of that game, I didn't move my hands. And they were just so cold and clammy. I had, like, all my fingers crossed. I was in like third or fourth grade. I can't remember. So I was doing, but yeah. <laughs> it takes dedication, physical dedication, being a Kentucky fan. Well, yeah. I mean, I told I told Mike uh, I appreciated his service after that game. You know, I was like, I was like, man, thank you. You won that game for us for not moving, and and obviously you won the game for us for not uncrossing your fingers. So, so everyone played their part that day. <laughs> <laughs> Back before I was a media member. And whenever I would cheer, cheer during the games for Kentucky, that UK games took 
years off my life. That 2015 team, uh, that 38 wins team took probably five years off my life. Oh, dude. God, I know, man. It still hurts to this day. I still haven't got it. I don't want to. I haven't got I don't want to talk about any of those games during that entire season. I just want to act like it never happened. I, I, it hurts to this day. It, it is. It will forever hurt that that was the greatest college basketball game. Didn't win a championship, and it, it, it. I mean, it pisses me off, and and, I, and that's all. You know, that is what it is. So moving on to this Michigan game, this uh, this Michigan team, and and Kentucky had comparable rosters talent wise. Kentucky was a little bit more explosive. We we're a little a little deeper and bigger, but uh, this Michigan team largely brought back the core from uh, the Final Four championship team from the previous year. And, uh, you know, they had Karis LeVert, they had Glenn Robson III, they had Nick Stauskas, who was, like, the biggest first-round bust of all time. Um, they had Mitch McGarrity. They had John Horford, who was Al Horford's younger brother. Uh, and then they had Spike Albrecht. I already said Glenn Robinson. Oh, okay. But they, they, were, they were pretty loaded. They were a good team. And Derek Walton Jr., it was his first year. He ended up being a really good player for Michigan um, over the next three years after this game. But uh, they, they were loaded. They were um, they were a much more experienced team than Kentucky, but uh, you know Kentucky kind of did their normal thing like they did throughout this tournament, where they would kind of play back. They get down seven to nine points at one point. Kentucky was down ten points, but they just hung in there. And uh, my biggest note of this game, besides Marcus Lee's coming out party, was uh, Julius Randle's little twitchy. Uh, juke move that he tried to do every time he tried to cross somebody over and then he would flare his leg out and throw up some weird ass shot towards the basket, but it went in and he just dominated Michigan with that the whole game. Well, he struggled in the first, he struggled in the first half. Um, but, but honestly, who kept us alive in the first half was, was Marcus Lee and he had to step up in this game because of Willie getting hurt. And I remember going into this game, uh, the Louisville game, I thought it was over. I thought we were going to lose that game. Uh, and, and we were down a bunch, and we had to come back from it. And I was thinking, man, it's going to take on that – takes, that takes a toll on a team, especially when you lose Willie, Willie Cauley-Stein. But it just seems like through this whole game, Dakari, the constant attack of Dakari, Marcus Lee, Poitras, and Randall just wore out Michigan towards the end. And, and I mean, didn't wear them out. That was a great game. It was just a great game overall. It was back and forth, obviously. Uh, but it, but it, but that's what won the game for them was just the, they were just so dominant down low. It felt like this was one of those games. I feel like Kentucky is never going to be able to get over the hump. Like especially during the first half, they would get down like points, and then cut yep. down, and then they'd go back to a seven, eight, nine, ten, and it was doing that all the way up until halftime when UK when the halftime tied it up, but and. Early in the second half, things started going that way too. But then, second half, the second half, it was Kentucky would have about five point lead, and then Michigan tied up. Kentucky would have about five point lead, Michigan tied up, and that it was like that the rest of the game, really. It was back and forth. It was it was back and forth, and and again, I mean, it was it was just it was just a really good game, a really evenly matched, and and I was <laughs> nervous the entire game. And of course, I can remember I could still remember to this day that last five minutes. And when Kentucky got up big, I was like, man, they're starting to pull away. And then all of a sudden, here comes Michigan again. I mean, it was – I mean, I mean, uh, Skowskis in the first half was, what, 18 points, Chris, somebody had in the first half? Yeah. Yeah, he ended up with 24 for the game. 
man, he was an incredible basketball by him. Um, and like I said in the first half, <clears> I mean, Marcus <throat> Lee and, and uh, James Young were they they kind of they kind of helped us out. And like I said, Kerry and Kentucky, they him, and they they really did. And then the Twins did their normal. We'll turn it on in the last five minutes, right? I mean, that's what we're used to. Yeah, Aaron Harrison didn't hit a basket until eight minutes left in the game. Now they went what four in a row, right? Yeah, he he ended up scoring four threes over the last eight minutes of the game, including the game winner, of course. But Andrew Harrison, he had a – I think people really remember him fondly for the wrong reasons. Like, he was definitely the weaker of the two twins. He he bullied and everybody loved the whole tweak and stuff like that, letting him go downhill and just body people and stuff like that, and that was cool. But he, he was not a great point guard. And uh, I can go back to it all day. Ulysses should have been the starting point guard for the 2015 team because he was a true point guard. But, yeah, Andrew Harrison didn't have a great game. He got a couple baskets that were just sloppy. I mean, that's what this team did was just hang in there with dominant, sloppy basketball. What, uh, their sophomore year in their, in their pro careers, he was able to use his body uh, more than Aaron was at the two. And so I think that he had a better sophomore year and he had a better pro career just because he's able to do more things at his size at the one instead of the two. But I said that I think that y'all brought up an interesting point with the tweak. I think that that played a lot, a uh, big role in this game because Andrew was able to get it high off the glass and get to the rim, cause the weak side defender to come over and help uh, because he was so big. He, he drew two people always in the paint. And that would leave Marcus Lee – Dakari Johnson, Julius Randle, Alex Poitras, easy putbacks or easy offensive rebounds. So, yeah, I think I think that that tweak and him getting downhill, I think Andrew played a big part in this. He was pr- practically getting assists without getting assists. One hundred percent, the tweak was Andrew get to the hole, just throw it up, get to the hole. Or guys are long and tall, they will get you. They will. They will. Because I remember Cal keeps saying over. We will we will save you, Andrew. Remember, he kept saying that he we will help you out. We'll get you there. Just get the ball downhill, and that's what he did. And that was the difference. That was the tweak. It wasn't anything else that they did. It was just simply stop worrying about all this other stuff and just get to the hole. Yeah, stop shooting, stop distributing. Just get the ball into the into the basket. Get to the line or get the ball off the rim so one of our freakishly athletic. Big guys can go down there See, and I get it. I disagree with you, Chris. I thought I thought Andrew was a pretty good. I thought he was a pretty good point guard. But the only reason the only reason he wasn't a good point guard, the only reason because he would do a lot of bonehead, stupid plays like turnovers. Exactly. And, and it would kill us. But outside of that, I thought Andrew was a pretty good. My only my only knock on the uh, or knock. Let me excuse me. My only knock on the Twins or their defense was horrible, and, and I, they just weren't laterally quick. And, I, and that's what I always felt like with them. But their size made up for it. Yeah, I, they they were really good players. Obviously, they were both McDonald's All Americans, and that was a really strong class too. So they, they were really good players. It's just it it wasn't a great fit with Andrew Harrison being the point guard, uh, especially in the 2015 team um, with what we had. We just needed a distributor who would make the right play, and it's like he never lost the whole tweak thing. And he never adapted his game to fit what that team needed, the 2015 team. <clears throat> Actually, Travis, uh, we were talking about this the other night. Uh, James Young and where he would have fit if he would have stayed with the 2015 team. 
if he would have fit. What do you think? Uh, it's, it's tough. It's really tough to tell because, I mean, that 2015 team was just loaded anyway. He had way too many players on it, which, I mean, it turned out to be a beautiful thing in the end. But that's all you would have 11 high to feed them. But I yeah. think that I think James Young, I think everybody bought into his rating in, in high school, and he was never more than a streaky shooter at the college level. And he was absolutely not a pro in the like until I learned how to scout players at the high school level. I thought that James Young was going to be awesome back whenever I was in high yeah. school and he was coming in. And yeah, I thought. I thought he was going to be the best player in the class, but I think that he, the best thing for that 2015 team was him not coming back. Yeah, because I, I don't think he's, I don't think he's better than Booker. I don't think he would have played over Booker. No, and then he, no. he wouldn't have played over Lyles, even though Lyles shouldn't have been ever been a three, but it worked out. But I think that, and then he's not better than Aaron or Andrew. But no, I agree with that. I don't think I don't think he is as far as a college player goes. I, I agree with you. James Young was just kind of streaky. Uh, and, I, I mean, I like James Young. He was fine, and, and, and that's what we needed during that tournament run. Like, like I said, with the Twins, too, they brought something that we needed. Uh, but but I, I don't – I think him coming back would have taken away from Booker. And and I think that – and you're probably right, Trey, Trey Lyles would probably be more of a four then. Uh, but, no, I think at the end of the day, I think him leaving actually made that team better at the, in the long run. And I agree with that 100%. In retrospect, we probably wouldn't even have gotten Devin Booker had James Young stayed. Was it late in the game? Yeah, he was towards the end of the class. Like, as soon as uh, Ulyss committed, I think a couple weeks after that, Booker committed. Gotcha. You knew they were going together, so that's fine with me. <laughs> it worked out. So – some interesting stats from this game, and it kind of bears out what uh, why the why Kentucky was able to hang in there and then play the second half with the, the lead in the majority of the time. Um, free throws, not so much supporting my point, but UK shot fifty four percent, Michigan shot seventy eight percent, and Michigan took eight more free throws than Kentucky. Kentucky thirty five rebounds to twenty four shows the size and the athleticism. UK six blocks to Michigan's one. UK 63% from three. Michigan 39% from three. But they shot nine more threes than Kentucky did. So, I mean, it, it was beeline ball. He, he set it up positionless back, basketball. Glenn Robinson third was their four, stretch four. And he's only, what, six, seven. Uh, Stauskas took the lion's share of their shots. Um, again, like, I, I don't know how he got drafted as high as he did, and I don't know how he's still in the league because he hasn't really ever produced. But, hey, miracles happen. Kentucky got them out of the rhythm, though, man, if you really thought about it. Because midway mid through the second half, Kentucky had made more threes than them. And that was what – when they came in, I can remember Michigan was a team that was that didn't live or die by threes, but surely most of their, most of their points were from the three-point. And Kentucky got them out of that. Yeah. Well, that's, we had so much size and uh, length on the perimeter that they, they couldn't just jack up threes like they were used to. Again, it comes back to Cal's coach. I mean, it comes back not just Cal's coach, but our coaching staff had a good – I mean, I feel like a good game plan for the whole game. Uh, I mean, obviously their best players are getting these yeah. points. Uh, but but at the same time, Kentucky kept them from making as many threes as they wanted to. Or at least have a hand in their face, right? Yeah, but I mean, we also – 
I think, uh, again, our size and athleticism, just what, like we talked about with that Wichita State game, I think the size of this Kentucky team and how they played just wore Michigan down. Kentucky picked a great game to be a to be on the right side of their streakiness. It was a super, super, super streaky team. Oh yeah, well, I, I kind of said it the other night that it it's the only team that I can ever remember where as soon as they got to the tournament, literally every game you you could see them progressing every game through the tournament. But it took that long until they got to the tournament where you could like see. Every game, they're getting a little bit better, a little bit better, a little more confident. I remember it was the weirdest thing. It was the LSU game during the SEC tournament. Yeah. I mean, a couple of Cal's teams got get got going in the tournament. The 2011 team was the same way where, where the tournament really helped them out. Uh, but, like, I, dude, this team, I, they played South Carolina and got, got creamed. I was like, man, oh, man, this has got to be one of the biggest, bigger disappointments ever. And then they went through the SEC tournament. I was thinking, man, they're going to get a really a lot better seed. And then they threw us in the hardest freaking gauntlet bracket there ever was. And I guess only one person that could be more pissed off than Kentucky was probably Greg Marshall and, and Wichita State for getting Kentucky in the second round. But Greg Marshall's wife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no shit. She sued their sorrows with all the alcohol. I remember watching – I remember whenever UK played them in 2017, watching his wife behind the bench. Oh boy! Like Man. I can see them from the I can see the upper deck where I was sitting. Well, she was. I mean, she was. I mean, they, they, like, people around her was saying that she was being nasty, like yelling and screaming. And man, oh man, that's. I mean, it's, it's kind of embarrassing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but you know, she took her medicine again the second time too. So. She she was calling the players like uh, you know p words and stuff like that, nasty. But back to back to Marcus Lee. Um, finished the game with ten points, seven offensive rebounds. That's huge, huge turning point in the game. It, it was like they they just couldn't box him out. He was coming from the rafters with these putback dunks, and then he showed off a couple moves in the post in the in the second half. So it, he prolonged his greatness through this game. It wasn't just in the first half, but he made that back four, up in the yeah, second half as well. Yeah, four. Three in the first half, one in the second half. Showing everything in his arsenal. Whenever he had that uh, drive from the top of the key, that two-dribble two, show, uh, that two dribble, uh, little layup he had in traffic, I thought I was like, yeah. oh, man, he's finally living up yeah. to a five-star building because he had averaged like a point or two a game before this. That's how I was telling Nick before we got on here. That I think that was his most impactful game as a Kentucky Wildcat. I, I could just be – this could just be revisionist history. But, because, I mean, uh, there's no other game that really – he may have had a game where he had 10 and 8, another game, but I don't I don't remember him ever having a game. He had a very yeah. mediocre career. That's why he left. I mean, I, I mean it, that's the thing, man, is he, he – he got the play because Willie Colley Stein was out. And in this game, we needed him for that because, like I said, without Colley Stein, we were missing his defense. And honestly, if you really pay attention to the game, too, I mean, he actually played pretty good defensively, too, out there. And 
Yeah, he had a couple blocks. What we needed during that game, like I said, it was just another another body down low. But but it seems like Marcus Lee's whole, whole offense was if you didn't lob it to him, he, he his offensive game was very very limited. Yeah, he had to live above the rim. I don't remember him ever making a jumper, ever. Honestly, had the worst had, or I've ever seen, even worse than freshman Nick Richards, and that's saying something. <laughs> I think Marcus <laughs> – And you would think with him being like a volleyball player, he would be a yeah, lot I better at that. He may have set the Kentucky record for, like, percentage of shots goaltended. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Nick Richards might be a close second. Definitely close second. Hell, he might even be first because he's had more impactful minutes than Lee throughout his career. But yeah, I thought, I thought Marcus Lee was going to be the next Nerlens Noel after that game. I was like, oh, we got something here, and never came to fruition. <laughs> it just never got any better. <laughs> no, it, he had a couple big games, like he uh, when Kentucky had him. Murray and Ulis and Willis uh, at South Carolina. I remember Marcus Lee had a big game. I mean, he has a big game. Like again, he just never grew, never got any got beef on him. He got kind of pushed around down low. I mean, the guy, the, the guy was like I said, very very limited. But this game, this game, really this whole tournament run, because even the last minute of the U of L game, I mean, he came in and made a couple of plays, right? So, it, it, I mean, again, he was very mediocre. I, I never really. My, my my dad always picks out a guy that he that he gets on like all year long. This year that that 2014 was was uh was uh Poitras because my dad just always thought Poitras was going to be so good. But outside of Poitras' defense, my dad gets so frustrated with his offense. But the next year was was uh or the or I guess the year with with Murray and then was was Marcus Lee and how dad always called him Stick Man. <laughs> I couldn't he couldn't limit it. Why why are you saying Poitras like an 84 year old man? It's like Rob Bromley. <laughs> that's how Oscar comes in. Yeah. <laughs> it's Poitras. It don't matter. Poitras. All right? Poitras. That's his name. It's been a long week, man. Leave me alone. Yeah, <laughs> Let's get to the shot. Where, where were you all when I was when sitting on my fireplace. Um... It was me, my ex-girlfriend, and my parents over at my parents' house. And I was like, oh, like, I just got off work. I was racing home for the second half. And whenever I got home, it was like the last six or seven minutes, I think. And we're just all sitting around there. And then I've never jumped and yelled. My Me and my dad high-fived probably like ten times. <laughs> Yes. I was outside. I was outside. Like I said, listen to the radio, um, and and I, I we just I tossed a cigarette and and Dad was like, I can't, I can't, I got, I got to hear it. I can't watch it, you know. So we went out there and we were both listening to it. And of course, he nails it. And Mike was still sitting inside, so we were screaming out there. And, uh, <laughs> and then Mike finally watched it, and then I didn't realize the shot was that like horrible of a shot until I actually saw it on TV because it just sounded like when Tom Leach was uh, was was talking about it. It was just, uh, it just sounded like he shot a three, but it was, I mean, when I look back to it now, I was like, God, if I was watching that live, or if I was watching it on TV, I'd be like, no, 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 no. Oh, okay. And Karis yeah. Levert couldn't have played their defense than he did. They, yeah. They yeah he almost blocked that. Up. He almost blocked that. That's, I was in, uh, it was my first year living in Germany and it was like, I think two thirty in the morning. 
because they're six hours ahead. So I had to wake up early or early, late, whatever you want to call it for that game. And I, I couldn't believe the run they were going on. So I, I was like, cool, I'll wake up for every freaking game. I don't care. And uh, one of my buddies came over. I don't know why we got hammered, but we were watching. He wasn't even a UK fan. He didn't even like sports. But we were just going freaking crazy. Crazy. I couldn't go back to sleep. It wasn't even the hell, most hell of a shot. shot out of the three that Harrison hit. No, no, it wasn't. <laughs> it was just a. Which one do you which one do you think was the best shot? He hit the same shot from the same spot against Wisconsin, but they were down. And just the just the fact that they were down in that game and he had and that was to send them to the final four or to the championship game, I mean, was nuts. Yes, that was That's the a good point. one. That was the one I actually did see that one on TV and was like, No, hell no, and then he nails it. I mean, it was that whole tournament run, if they would have won it, it would have been the greatest run in the in the history of Kentucky, obviously. Uh, but it's just it's just oh, yeah. such a downer how it ended. Um, but at the same time, God, it was such a run, man. It, the whole the whole tournament run outside of the, the very first round game, the Kansas State one, was a hell of a run. Have y'all already talked about the Wichita? Well, that's it. We have. Yeah, yeah, we talked about it. That was one of the best last week. basketball games I've ever seen start to finish. Just high-level basketball from start to finish. And I Absolutely. Anthony Early was going to just go 50 that game. He was totally unafraid of anybody Kentucky threw at him. That, 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 that dude definitely, that definitely belonged in that spot. And I, I definitely kept thinking when we played, I was like, they're not that good. But it, it was it, but during that first half, I was like, they are very much as talented as we are. And and, and, I, and I always thought UK had the most talent, uh, but obviously it didn't play up until till the tournament. Uh, but but no, they were they were a hell of a team. I mean, they had I mean they had what what we what we name off Chris three or four pros on their team. Uh, they had Van Vliet, Baker, and Early, and all three of them got drafted. Obviously, yep. Van Vliet's still yes. doing well in the NBA. <clears throat> I just always remember Ron Baker looking like Luke Skywalker. <laughs> he, he belongs on the farm. That's what you said. Just with that shaggy hair and everything, this looked like it. So, if if Willie Cauley Stein yeah. plays against UConn, do we win? Well, it's easy to say for us, but I think so. I just think, even with how Napier was like totally unstoppable that game. Yeah, but I also think that. I mean, I, I don't know because everybody remembers Willie for junior year Willie, which sophomore year Willie Cauley Stein wasn't bad, but he wasn't junior year, Willie. And I don't know. Yeah. It, it may have made a difference. I'm, I'm sure it would have made some difference, but I'm not If you go back and here say that we think they would win due to that. It's, I don't think it's near the situation like uh, Alex Poitras guarding Sam Decker would have made obvious uh, oh, yeah. changes, but oh, yeah, yeah. Over again. If he would have stayed healthy, they would have won that championship. They would have been 40-0. But what the Willie Collie's not thing, if you just watch the Wichita State game, you would see He's a shell of himself from the next year. I mean, he got pushed around, didn't have a very good game. Uh, his defense was always pretty good. He could always run the floor. But I think in the UConn game, what would have made a difference is well, Kentucky, Kentucky's problem, that whole team's problem was they didn't guard the three very well. Uh, I know they did against Michigan, like we were just talking about, but but they, they had times where they could not guard the three. And the Harrison Twins had time of, times of not being able to guard that. And, and that was the problem. Yeah. But, but Boatwright – this murder us. That was the 
That has to be the worst team to ever win a national championship. I swear. Yeah, I was just looking at their lineup, and I know three names from there, four names. And it's only two of them, uh, Napier and Boatwright, they went to the pros. Like, Napier's still in the pros, but nobody else. Uh, Niles, Giffey, and then Brima, their center, who, like, everybody raved about, he had an awful game. So I'm, th- I'm just thinking to myself, like, how in the hell did we lose that game other than Shabazz Napier just – we Dude, nobody could guard him. Because we, we had watched the national championship game in 2012 there, and it was awesome because everybody, you know, I was obviously I was living down there, so it was like the whole city shut down. Uh, but but uh, this game we lost, and it was like, fuck, you know, it was such a such a such a miserable night. Considering two years prior to that, I had one of the greatest nights of my life. <laughs> All right, well, let's get to some awards. Travis, you're the guest, so you can start first. What about this game or either one of these teams aged the worst? Has gotten worse over time. Just from the thought, or I thought he was going to be the next Willie Collie Stein. Maryland's no blocker after that game, but he had a very mediocre career after that. Solid, Uh, Nick. Man, I I guess I would go with – that's that's probably a good one to go with, but I, I guess I guess this this whole James Young, how his career ended up. I mean, obviously the Celtics got him; they were thought he was going to be, uh, you know, kind of a, a guy that was going to stick in their starting lineup for years to come. And what he fizzled out after a couple of years, and he, he never really got significant playing time while he was there. Yeah, and he was also dude. His, yeah, his shot looks so good. Man, I will say that, but I, but I do agree with Travis. I mean, there you we saw the red flags. We just refused to to believe it until until he got in the pros, and you're like. Okay, well, he can't uh, – one, in the pros, you get streaky in the pros. They don't that, – that doesn't work in the pros. Two, if you don't – if you – if you if you uh, you uh can't just drive like like he could in college in the pros. I mean, it just – and his defense was – he's never had – he never had a great defense either. Awful. John, Very true. I'm, I'm with so you. I'm fortunate, man, because I, I, there was a time where, yeah. where I was kind of like – I've never – I mean, I, I like the NBA and stuff like that, but – I always liked the, the Celtics only because Tino went there when I was a kid. So he's going to like, yeah, you know, but, I, but I don't, but I also can't. It's like the worst. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, abandoned Kentucky. Time it wasn't, man. It was like, he wasn't abandoned in Kentucky. He's going to freaking Celtics, man. That's like, that's like, that's like, I don't know, man. Like going to like the great team. I mean, this is going to, it's a, it's an upper, it's going to like a, a, a promotion, man. Yeah. It's a pro- promotion. Great franchise, like a yeah. So, what age is the best? Ooh. Wow. This, what age the yeah, best? Yeah, um, i say the Aaron Harrison three-pointer, just because that's something that's always going to go down in UK folklore is this whole tournament run, and that was literally one of the main ca- one of the top two catalysts for the whole thing. And then, um, like I said earlier, Levert couldn't have guarded it any better, and it was a, the second late three-pointer out of three total during that magical postseason run. And you're on it. I'm, I'm with you, Aaron Harrison. For me, uh, well, I mean, like I said, the shot is good, stuff like that. But I think, I think out of all all the players in the court who aged the best out of all of them, in my opinion, was was probably Randall. I mean, Randall's been pretty solid in the NBA too. I mean, the guy, the guy, I just, like what kills yeah. me now looking at Cal's teams now and the players back then was, man, we had a guy, uh, 
look, we haven't had guys dominant like that, like the Towns and the and Anthony Davis and the Kid Gilchrist's and the Randalls, where where you just watch like watching Randall, even when he misses, you know, like in the first half is one of six, you still watch him like this guy's freaking unguardable, right? Unguardable. He was so athletic. You just, you just don't see that. I like I haven't seen that from Kyle for a while. I mean, I mean, obviously like Fox and all them were, were fantastic, but like a big guy that just could just absolutely just dominate a game. The Antoine Walker Award, the guy who makes the most fundamental plays and makes the biggest deal of it. The most player on the most simple plays would have to go to Marcus Lee because he had four dunks in a layup and energized the crowd on each one, even flexed on a dude that he's standing over, even though he only weighs like 175 pounds. And yeah. Oh, he had a block. The, the, the best part is he maybe took three dribbles all game. <laughs> I'm going to go with Poitras, man. He had, I don't care how I say it. I might say it like an old guy. I don't give a shit. Poitras. I'm going to go with him. He is an old guy. He's the oldest guy we've ever had in Cal's era, it feels like. So, you know what? He was the best player down the other stretch, and, uh, and he had some good defensive plays that that really I've forgotten about. That that I look back now, I'm like, this guy is so good defensively. It's, I, I'm actually with you. I think Poit Thress, uh was wins the Antoine Walker Award. Like he roared in this game. Like I can't ever remember him going off. Maybe the Duke game of his freshman year, but uh, yeah, he he was much more vocal this game than he ever had been. And Michigan's players, none of them ever did any of that, so you, you can't accuse them of it. Uh, smooth operator, guy who made the biggest impact that you I barely said noticed. James Young for this one. He everybody talks about uh, Marcus Lee, Aaron Harrison, Julius Randle had sixteen and eleven, but James Young had thirteen points on five five of seven from the field and was three from four from behind the arc. And we talked about earlier how streaky he was, and for him to hit seventy five percent. In the from three in that game was huge. I'm with you. I totally unsung agree. Hero, unsung hero in this game was Dakari, because I felt like he made he he made play, he again he have another big guy step up, and I felt like he made a lot of scoring plays that we needed that kind of settle down. And again, his body, his constant pushing around down there. To me, during the game, I was looking at it like, man, Dakari's actually not having a bad game. And, and, again, another one of those guys were kind of disappointing for me because I always thought, God, this guy's going to be so good. And he just, it was kind of – people were talking about how good he was coming in. And he's, he's just kind of looked – he never got that – that I don't know. He's just he always looked slow to me. He just had such an antiquated game. But, I mean, that is a good point. He uh, It's like we talked about with the Wichita State game. He – not only him, but this entire, this entire team, they found a way to hang, hang in there and – then they would just make timely baskets. And that's Dakari Johnson, if you go back and watch this game, he made timely baskets, basket, baskets when they needed it, baskets that cut off Michigan's momentum or propelled Kentucky's momentum. So that's a good point. So MVP. I think it's Aaron. I think it's down the stretch, that four for four won the game for us. MVP, I went with Julius Randle. Everyone remembers uh, – Everybody talks about Marcus Lee's 10 and 8, Aaron's late game heroics, but Randall had 16 and 11 and was carving out the space down low and was getting, pe- getting people like those guys open. A big second half. Big second half. I'm, I'm with you, Travis. 
Yeah. I mean, Randall was consistent throughout, but he did. I mean, he just wore on teams as the game went along, especially in this tournament, you can see. He, uh, he just imposed his will, and the more aggressive he got, the, the more the other team backed down. And that, it was the same way in this game. I feel like so Randall, I, yeah, I think like, Randall. Because he was so aggressive early in the day, I always thought – I've only watched that UConn game one time, and it was the one time it played. So I might be wrong on this, but I always felt like in that game, Randall looked tired. He had a bad game. He was he went ten and six and he shot really poorly. As well, tweaking ankle. Yeah, yeah. He was doing his doing his little shimmy move. But no, he just looked tired. The whole team looked kind of tired when they got to that game because it it was a kind of emotional roller coaster the entire time. And but but that's the one thing I always thought about the UConn game. I remember riding back home from Lexington, pissed pissed off and drunk as shit. But uh, I remember thinking Randall just did not show up, and it just he just looked tired. Uh, and I came home. My dad was eating a, a bowl of cereal and was saying, oh, "Man, <laughs> what happened?" You know, just disappointment. That whole that whole run was such a <laughs> end, the end of it was such a disappointment. It's like a great movie that ended horribly, kind of like Game of Thrones in their whole series. You know, kind of like that. It's still and probably will forever be my favorite Final Four run that Kentucky's ever had, even though we've won three since we've been alive. But, uh, man. Yes, it was. Such a roller coaster. All right, so, Travis, can you tell us anything? I mean, not that there's a whole lot to uh, kind of grasping at straws in terms of sports information right now. Can you tell us anything about the current team and what we could look forward to um, to next season? Not, there's not very much news going around right now. There's no guarantees on who's going pro outside of Max C and probably Nick Richards. Uh, everybody else, I think there's a chance they come back and a chance that they could leave. But I think that you're going to – I think there will be one player transfer out. I don't know who it's going to be yet, but I think there will be some attrition of some sort. Um I think that's evident in all these players that Kentucky's reaching out to because I think that they're reaching out to some, even though I know some of them they're reaching out to based on Emmanuel quickly possibly leaving, but I think they're also looking for a bench player for next year. And I think that they might be looking to replace. I think next year, if you, if I had to choose right now, I think that their starting five would be Emmanuel quickly. Uh, Terrence Clark, B.J. Boston, Keon Brooks, and E.J. Montgomery. I'm really, really, really high on second-year Keon Brooks, and I think he's going to make a tremendous jump and probably average like 10 and 7 a game maybe. I, I like it. it what, who is the most important guy coming back, like in your opinion? Who makes the most – who's the most important guy to come back from all those guys? Uh, probably Emmanuel quickly because it's a guy that you know that can shoot 40% from behind the arc, even though I think if he plays on ball, it's going to take away from those numbers a little bit. But I think if he comes back and wants to still play off ball um, at least 50% of the time, that adding that 50% or that 40% three point shooter to Terrence Clark and BJ Boston, who are both arguably Maxi was this past season, is absolutely huge. You can make an argument for Keon Brooks as well, because I think that I'm really excited. If you roll in the next season with just Brooks, Montgomery, Isaiah Jacks, Lance Warriors or Biggs. I think that Keon Brooks has by far the highest ceiling. 
Oh, I mean, I think I think Keon Brooks was about to have a breakout tournament run uh, after watching that Florida game, and he was getting his confidence up towards the end of the season. I, I feel like he got robbed. It's going to help out Kentucky ultimately because obviously he's going to be coming back. But I think he was about to have a big run, and my, that's just that's just what I was observing and, and looking forward to. Yeah, I think he was really going to show out during the SEC tournament. I think he, I think he was going to do some, th- he was going to do some good things, but it's all moot point now. He's the one I worry about not coming back uh, for whatever reason. I think Juzang uh, sees his minute dwindling next year. Yeah, there's we got two absolute studs. So Dante Allen back healthy. You got Cameron Fletcher push for minutes. He'll probably play more. Khalil Whitney like three or four probably, but you got those guys all coming back next year, and you got Askew at the point, and Askew could probably is probably gonna play some off ball too, like quickly did. I think he's more suited off ball. I think he's just like Emmanuel quickly in that sense, but yeah, it's a lot of mouths to feed at the three spot. It seems like especially if quickly comes back have a, a great shooting team well we say that every year tons of playmakers I thought that, <laughs> we'll see what what really i was looking at stats the other day and i never ever ever i would have bet my house and my wife and my dog on this before the season that tyrese maxi would have been a better three-point shooter than hamadou diallo but he wasn't yeah that, that is a good point i i, I think the season it's, he, looks, he looks like he's got a good shot but then I, I don't know he he settled for a lot of shitty shots he shoots it way too low for the next level. Whenever he's got elite athletes on him every night, he's gonna have to shoot that. That release point's gonna be have. This is gonna have to be higher. He's just not gonna get the basket. His footwork, and his pace on his jump shot are really bad too. Uh, Maxie has consistent. Is he already has a floater in his arsenal? He doesn't have to learn how to develop a floater. And having a floater against NBA bigs is a huge tool. Well, I think I think on top of that, I, I don't think he's going to be able to get to the basket as freely as he did in college, and I think that's that happens with a lot of guys. Uh, I, the NBA. I think this. I don't, I don't know. I think there's a counterpoint to that. I think that in, college spacing is so atrocious, and you get to the NBA and it's so free flowing, right? That, um, and you can't just pack in the paint. I think he's gonna. I think he's actually going to be better in the NBA, honestly. Maxi also showed off athleticism at times this year that it, it didn't really seem like he had, but he can get up. Like, that kid can jump. And he, he just – he preferred to lay, lay the ball in, I guess. Crafty than explosive, I would say. But, yes, he definitely ha- he definitely has NBA athleticism. It all depends on – I just don't think he's in-game aggressive. I think if he was in – like, had that attacking gene, that he would have to cram on people consistently. But – Mm-hmm. Some people prefer finesse, and some people prefer power. What's the uh, what's the cryptic message by Hagens? Like, what's what's the deal with that? Anything you heard? Uh, I don't know. Uh, the other day on sources say I, I was like, you all, this is Kentucky football carpool, obviously. Uh, you all have seen the, the hundreds of Lynn Bowden tweets over the past few years, and you will drive yourself trying to decipher a. 18 to 22 year olds Instagram Twitter post, and yeah. <laughs> I don't expect Hagens to be back, but I mean, crazier things have happened, and he's not on. I think that he's definitely a G League guy for a few years, 
if not more, if not possibly overseas. I, I just don't think there's a place in the NBA for a guy that shoots 20-something percent from three, can't finish within five feet, and, and his body wears down in the back half of a 40-game season, let alone an 82-game season. Well, so me, me and Chris talked about this. His, his defense is, is above average to almost probably elite, but but in, in the today's NBA, it's more about if your your point guards expect to score, and score particularly. I think his he's got elite defense, but tell me which NBA point guard, which top 10, 15 NBA point guard is he locking up? None of them. Not not, not like, can you can you imagine going against uh oh uh. Okay. No, I'm thinking of the guy down in Atlanta. I can't imagine Young. Uh, like, I can't imagine Garden Trey Young or John Morant or anybody like that. Uh, Luca. It's, I mean, that's nothing against him, but it's just much different for a, for a, because I, I don't see him as a Pat Bev type of guy. A lot of people think he's a Pat Bev, but I don't think he's oh, a dog no. Patrick Beverly. He, he doesn't have he doesn't have the mentality or the physicality or the physical stature that Patrick There's Beverly no has. And I've seen that too. It, just, it doesn't it doesn't make sense. Even like thinking about him going against like Westbrook or something like that. God, they would eat his lunch, man. Nothing against Hagens. I just don't. I think Hagens is a is more like people think of Hagens' defense now. I think it's more of his um, what's the word I'm looking for. Uh, Crap! How people remember you by? What's that word I'm looking for? It's a, I don't know what I'm thinking, but I'm it's too. how people think he is, but it's not really how he plays. I'm not trying. To, well, yeah, because everyone thinks about age skill. It's his reputation. Yeah, they, they, yeah. He built a reputation. I don't know how I could remember the word reputation. Yeah, oh, shit. The um, um, it's his reputation he built early in the season. He'll have like a. 5, 10, 12 game stretch where he's just absolutely dominant. Looks like an All-American. Did that against North Carolina last year, Louisville last year, Louisville this year, other teams this year. And man, like he just I think he's a much better off-ball defender than he is on-ball defender. I think he's a great denial defender, but I don't know if he can lock a, a, a elite NBA point guard. Now I don't know if I would spend a um, guaranteed contract on him to figure that out. I wouldn't. He plays. He plays passing lanes well, but like you said, he's not a great on-ball defender, especially against NBA players. He would just he gambles a lot. Yeah, he does gamble a ton. He do the NBA or kill you. Yep. He gambles a ton. I mean, he, he gets in those passing lanes and everything else, but he also has he has good instincts on the ball. But but I think you're right, man. I think I'll say this: like whenever ball. like people get in a shooting rhythm, whenever he gets in a defensive rhythm, it's something beautiful to watch because he'll absolutely dog a dude up and down the court. But you only see that for like a couple weeks, three, four weeks stretch during the season. In the middle of the season, yeah. So for our listeners, you can uh, access more of Travis's information on next year's team. He's got some good nuggets, especially lately, uh, at the House of Blue on Rivals. Um, Travis, what else you got going on? Cat Scan Podcast. It's on all the podcast networks out there. Uh, sources say it's a KSR podcast, basketball recruiting, Kentucky basketball with Jack Pilgrim, David Sisk. Like you said, my work's on Cats Illustrated on the Rivals Network. We have a two-month free trial right now for the best inside information you'll find in Kentucky football and basketball. Two months free. Uh, come 
hang out with us during this horrible time with no sports and actually talk come talk sports though. And then uh you can find me on Twitter at uh Travgraf underscore Riley. He's a very good follow. I will say that. You're a very good follow. Yes, you do, man. You you're one of the great information on your podcast is good. Appreciate it. We'll have to have you guys on here soon. We're we're about to um Get a, we've been getting a lot of Kentucky media members to come on the Cat Scan podcast, just like detailing backgrounds and stuff. And I'd like to get both of you guys on soon, well, separately, but each one of you all on here soon as well. Oh, that'd be awesome, man. We'd love it. So, yeah, I mean, we'll take it away. Uh, like I said, everyone, right, Nick, take it away. I know everything's tough sitting inside and everything like that, keeping your hands washed and doing what, what's uh, asked of us, but uh. We appreciate everyone listening. We appreciate Travis coming on like like usual, man. Great information. Uh, uh, next time we'll have Mike back and all that stuff. But hopefully hopefully you can relive this Michigan game because I watched it and I was still excited last night. Weren't you, Chris? Did you get, like, into it again? Oh, yeah, man. You see, you still fall in love with these teams all over again. You still feel the emotional roller coaster that you did when you first saw the game. I mean, that's part of being a Kentucky fan. You have an emotional tie to it. <laughs> the main thing I remember was thinking about how my thought process. I remember exactly how my thought process was throughout this game, and pretty much every game during this run, and any big UK game ever. I remember my the ups and downs of what I was thinking, but it's so so refreshing going back and already knowing the outcome because yeah. I needed yeah. the Xanax and some, yeah. and some other things. <laughs> We, we, we all remember, well, real quick, real quick, you, you all remember the, the North Carolina game uh, when when Wall and them were there, and we actually beat the beat the heck out of North Carolina. Well, the whole time I knew Kentucky basketball. Yeah, yeah. Like, These dudes are kick ass. Same here. I, I knew that too. And I had a buddy there that just got a new job. He just graduated, got a new job. When we were ordering all of our drinks on his tab, so when he got the tab, he's like, "Man, I drink a lot." Like, yeah, we all had a great time. <laughs> Like a hundred and twenty dollar tab, man. He was like, yeah, yeah, dude. He was so pissed when he found out about it. Alex, <laughs> well, like, we felt bad because like after they won, he, we felt bad because after they won, he came out to the table and was like, "Well, it's all Patron shots." And I was here thinking, "Bro, you bought every drink here." <laughs> but uh, anyways, all right. Well, like I said, I'm Nick. <clears throat> Go big blue. I'm Chris. <laughs> Thanks, Travis, man. Like I said, uh, everyone go listen to him. Follow him. He's a great follow. This is uh, – we'll keep this going next week. Who we got next week, Chris? Who we got – who? We, what team we – what game are we breaking down? We're going to break down the 2012 IU-Kentucky Sweet 16 game. And I get to trash IU all day long. It's going to be great. Game. So come, join us. So, anyways, all right. Well, wait, go ahead, Chris. Got it. Yeah, man. Keep your